What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome, Thedosians, to the Wonders of Thedas podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. I'm Jill. Welcome back. We've got a really cool show for you guys today. Are they called the Dogians? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I just kind of started doing it. I, I like just it. figured the people, people who will listen to our show, I'll call them Thedosians. Because I like you guys, it. you guys come to the Wonders of Thedas to learn about Thedas and all of its wonderment. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. So we've got a really cool show for you guys today. We're going to, of course, talk about the Rogue. We've got some really big news for you guys uh, in the Dragon Age world. And we've got a lot of, we've actually got a lot of stuff for the Codex. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, hope you guys are ready. Uh, first, we're going to cover what's going on this week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. So, we Gen got Con business. happened. But Gen Con happened. We, we, we got back. It was a great. Ago. So yeah. much fun. Oh, yeah. It was a great time. What did you do? I went to actually a lot of panels and seminars. Uh, okay. Learning about like how to play test games, how to okay. like so both sides of like if I play test someone's game or if I have someone else play test my game. I went to one actually called Podcasting One Hundred One. Oh, nice! I nice. Went to, uh, how to run an evil campaign. Ooh. So a couple some fun stuff, and then I played a few games, and then I wandered the dealers hall quite a bit. So. Okay, fair enough. That was fun. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Gen Con is the biggest gaming convention, the biggest role-playing game, tabletop, any ta- any game that can go on a tabletop, like card games, board games, role-playing games, uh, it's there at Gen Con. It, it is, is the, called the best four days in gaming for it, a reason. Yes, it is the biggest convention for gaming in the United States. And it's got some big, it's got a, it's a big deal, uh, which means that they have some big award ceremonies there. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, one that we've been talking about on the blog and the Twitter page and on the Facebook page a little bit. It's called. We even the, mentioned yes. it on an earlier uh, yes. episode. Too. Oh, you did. We did the Emmys. They're kind of the I, I, I guess like the uh, like the Emmys for filmmaking, the Grammys mm-hmm. for music. There, but these are for role playing games specifically. I think, right? Um, as far as I know, um, at, at least from everything I, from all the stuff that I read that we could vote on, it was pretty much all role playing. Yeah, it's games. like book RPGs. Yeah. There's other stuff for board games. Yes, games, there is. So. Uh, but for the Emmys, uh, Dragon Age, the tabletop role playing game, the core rulebook, got nominated for three Emmys. We mentioned this before. It got nominated for best interior art. Best Game and Product of the Year, mm-hmm. all of which are incredible things to be nominated, no- nominated for, for in the first, first place, yeah. but we've got great news for you guys. We got two of those Ennies. We took home the gold in Best Interior Art and Best Game. What? I say we, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> us, uh, us, yes. I say us, Ren and I but, took those home. Vicariously. Yeah. <laughs> the Dragon Age role-playing game core rulebook took home best in, the gold any for best interior art and the gold any for best game. It, they thought it was the best game of 2016. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, it was, it was, and that means that Dragon Age is standing up there with big things like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. Yeah. It's holding uh, its own. Yeah. Monty Cook Games. It's... it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's Steve Jackson games, it's standing up there now, because Dragon Age is a good game. We think so. Yeah, we think so. Now we can tell that others think so. Yeah, and now we can say that, you know... Professionals in the industry think that it's good. totally. We can say that the the game that we like to play won two gold Ennies in 2016 and got nominated for a third. 
So, Dragon Age RPG isn't any award-winning RPG, guys. Uh, for all of those of you guys who voted, thank, uh, it's a you know, way to go, guys. We did it. We got it. We did it. We win. Teamwork. Woo! Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, good news. That good news always good to hear. But uh, let's hear about some good questions. We've yes. actually got a couple. we got a couple uh, mailed in. We're going to talk about them in the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. Uh, we've got a couple of submissions this time. Uh, a couple of which I asked folks for permission to use because we got some feedback on the forums. Awesome. Uh, but we're going to just jump straight into them. The first one uh, comes from a gentleman, I think gentleman, as far as I, as far as I can tell. If you're a lady, I'm sorry. Uh, a friend uh, named Parcival on the Green Ronin forums. He responded to our fourth episode, the game about the episode about GMing the Dragon Age role-playing game, and he mm-hmm. said it could have been useful to hear your own take and experiences of the do's and don'ts for GMs listed in the core rulebook on page 210. Mm-hmm. You can turn there now if you like. Uh, are there any that you'd add for new GMs? What key things would you urge beyond what is listed in the core rulebook? So, uh, ger- ladies and germs, go ahead and turn your books to page 210 of the Dragon Age Core Rulebook and you'll come across the Game Master Do's and Don'ts. These are all golden. Mm. If you are GMing any kind of role-playing game, not just Dragon Age, you should read these. You should commit these to heart and you should love them. This is very true. All of these are golden. Anybody. Any GM can, re- can benefit from these. Um, so, you know, the, and, for, and for those of you who haven't seen them yet or don't read the GM, the Game Masters part of the book, uh, we're going to do a quick rundown. The Game Masters, hear these, read these, love these, do plan ahead, do describe things, mm-hmm. do challenge your players, do be flexible, do focus on the characters, the player characters specifically. Don't make it all about fighting, don't argue. Don't be mean, don't be boring, and don't worry about it. <laughs> we want to stress the incredible importance, specifically, of do plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Nothing drives me crazier as a GM as coming to a session and being like, I don't know what you guys are doing tonight. Let's all find out together. <laughs> I always feel, I feel like such, a, such an idiot going into a session, just sitting down and having nothing for my players. Or even having just, like, very basic ideas for the players and having to come up with them on the fly. I mean, GM is called Game Master. You are the master, you know? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be on top of this stuff. you got to be on top of this stuff. But then again, you have to be flexible, too, so... Correct. Which is another one of those things that you definitely got to do. Even though if you you plan out the whole session, you got to make sure that you're ready to change those plans. Yep. Finding the balance. Mm -hmm. We're also going to seriously focus on... uh, Put importance on do focus on the player characters. It's their uh, story. It is. The player characters are the main characters of your story. You should you should make sure that that is obvious. Everything that the other the other characters in your adventure do should highlight the actions of the player characters. You should try you should try to avoid that temptation of temptations to make the story more about what you make and what you bring to the table than what the players are bringing to the table because they're the main characters here. Because, I mean, role-playing is collaborative storytelling, in a way, mm-hmm. so... Yes, know. exactly. I love, I love going You, the one GM, and then, you know, however many players, so you gotta make sure even time is spread out amongst them. Mm-hmm. And another important one, don't be mean. <laughs> don't be mean, guys. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Don't be a jerk. Yes. Don't, you should definitely make sure that you're challenging your players, but don't beat them up. 
don't spring nasty stuff on them just for fun. And yeah. definitely don't do what some GMs... Don't pick, like, one player out and just oh, disparage yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, and don't be like some of the GMs I've had at Gen Con who are like, if I kill your players, I might do a little dance, just so you know. Like, <sighs> come on. I don't want to play in your game. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. Don't do that. And uh, definitely the biggest one I think that you should definitely focus on and take to heart is don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. We're here to have fun. You included. Just because you're doing a lot more paperwork than everybody else does not mean that you shouldn't be having fun. Throw some surprises at your players. Change the plans if you don't like them. Uh, write the story that you want and let the players be part of that. Mm-hmm. And make sure that it still includes them. But make sure that you're having just as much fun playing this game as everyone else. Do it. Um, however, we might add a couple based on our own experiences. Mm-hmm. The first one uh, we thought was very important, especially considering that you are playing a dra- this, but this is more specific to a Dragon Age game. Or any or, like more mature mm-hmm. setting. Yes, or any more mature, dark, horrific setting. Do get player buy-in and consent. And this can still apply to just about everything. And yeah, actually it, in for some, some, of the, some of the panels I went to at Gen Con brought up a mm-hmm. really interesting thing where like you mm-hmm. can have like a red card or like an X on an index card. Okay. And if the player, if any player at any time is uncomfortable... You just tap that card and you can just move on. You don't even have to okay. explain it. Anything I like, like that. that. Yeah, I was that's like, a that's, great idea. So we might have to instill that. Mm-hmm. Because Dragon Age is a very dark world. There's a lot of difficult subject matter that is reflected from the real world. Make sure that before you add things like violence against children, rape, abuse, other dark subjects, make sure your players are going to be comfortable taking on these kinds of challenges. If your players are uncomfortable at your table because you spring harsh subject matter on them, it could quickly become a negative experience for them, and they're supposed to be here to have fun. You can avoid this by asking your players individually and privately. Try and make it private. Don't necessarily, yeah. If you do this in front of everybody, they could get defensive. They could get or they worried. Or they might not even or, bring it up. Yeah, they might not bring it up. They might be too embarrassed. And they'll be upset about it in the uh, game and also because you brought it up in front of everyone. So yes. Don't do that. Because they don't want to single themselves out. Um, just ask them individually and privately what they don't want to see in the campaign and establish a comfort level for you and your games. Because we're here to have fun, after all. Indeed. We're supposed to have fun. And yeah, and the card thing. That, that's a good thing. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. I never heard about that, but uh, yeah, that's cool. I heard about it twice, at two panels. And yeah. I was like, well, it's really? genius, yeah. All right, well, I guess it must be accepted by now. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should get one of those cards. Uh, a card of a very stern Cassandra face, maybe. Mm-hmm. It'd be very yeah. appropriate for Dragon That'd be Age. fun. Just Cassandra giving you a look like, Really? We're going to move on. We're going to talk about that? <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to add a don't. No, this is, this is going to apply for any game. Don't be afraid to borrow things for your game. We've heard it said that good ones borrow, the great ones steal, in regards to creative works. A game you're running is no different. Many seem to have this weird preconceived notion that GM's campaign should be entirely original, leaping forth to glory from a vacuum within the mind of the GM. Here's a secret. <laughs> Nothing's original at this point. No. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's a little say that kind of that and that kind of accept, expectation for the GM is not only a little unfair, but it's really limiting. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of options, and I see we're I'm always finding, and we're we're always finding things like in books, comics, movies, other games, and we're asking ourselves, how can I bring this to my game? Mm-hmm. How can I put the how can I put a cool chase scene like that into my game? How can I get a make a character like that and bring it to my game? And part of the fun is um, knowing the tropes that are being used, mm-hmm. and then like working those into your campaign. And it's fun yeah. to get to play those tropes that you see out in the world so much, yes. and to turn them how you want them to turn. Mm-hmm. 
I don't feel like you are stealing as long as you're not making money off this campaign. Mm -hmm. Which, if you actually figure out how to make money GMing, could you could you tell us? Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, so don't worry about don't don't worry about your what you're borrowing. There's a world of inspiration out there. You should embrace it and make it your own. Make it Dragon Age. And this way, you can uh you know put say for your Netflix binges there your research it's research research exactly there you go yeah double whammy that's what i tell myself at least and fair enough okay next question that we got was from uh they introduced themselves as kevin malone the character from the office Office, yeah the office you know love it but um kevin malone asked us as a gm how do you balance encounters against the party? I'm mm. used to Pathfinder with its CR system, which Dragon Age RPG does like, away with. This is a good question for you, because as we've getting higher level... Uh-huh. It's, yeah. it's getting trickier. It gets trickier. Uh, the Dragon Age RPG is meant to be simpler than other RPGs, mm-hmm. so doing away with the challenge rating system was likely a very core idea for them, um, for making this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, the CR system at Pathfinder is very rigid. It's got a lot of moving parts uh, that try to make sure that an encounter makes sense and is within the reach of the players and that's great uh, but in Dragon Age the game does not make any assumptions about character strength and the core rulebook even says that this should be a part of the dark fantasy aspect of a Dragon Age campaign the PCs may be thrust into stuff that they can't ta- they can't handle and sometimes they gotta make make the choice of fighting for the last or fleeing whether discretion they choose discretion or valor mm, yeah and it's and that being said, the game does have a loose way of telling the heroes can handle a combat challenge, and that would be the threat listed with every foe in the adversaries chapter of the core book. Every foe has a threat, and it starts at like minor, moderate, major, dire, legendary, and they have uh, suggested level ranges that each of those enemies can fit into, and they're meant to be kind of loose. They're not very uh, let's see, they're very flexible. The table on 270, along with ways to beef up the adversaries in the book, are as well. The, there's a table, adversary threat level, on page 270, that is also next to a bunch of ways to beef up the adversaries so you can customize the stuff that's Ooh. in the core book already and increase their threat level if you need to. These aren't perfect, so don't look to them as the only way to determine counter difficulties. Mm-hmm. Now, in determining how you want to uh, how you want to balance things, especially with combat, which is which it tends to be a bit more difficult because there's a lot of moving parts to combat. We're going to direct your attention to pages 221 to 223 from the let's see, from Combat Encounters uh, to the section of Special Sauce. That is in Game Mastering the Rules. Mm. Uh, it involves the part about Combat Encounters, Combat, and Combat Math and Special Sauce. And uh, it lists some very good suggestions for how to make sure that, party, that uh, foes are going to be uh, suitable for the PC's abilities. Um, knowing the combat math can help you plan encounters and know ahead of time if the encounter is going to be too much or too little for the PCs. You don't have to break out a calculator. You can just eyeball the PC stats and remember a couple of things. The most common rules on 3D6 are 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. Assume that if the PCs always roll 10s and see what that does to the encounters. Can the PCs hit that defense too easily? Boost it a bit. Can the enemies beat the PCs spell power too often? Lower their abilities or take away focuses? Uh, you can use this metric to judge target numbers for exploration and role-playing encounters, too, judging what target numbers will be within the PC's reach. Because, especially, we're going to recommend that you hold on to the character sheets for the players, or have the players put the character sheets like on a website that you can access. So you can, reference, you can see what focuses yeah. they have, what talents mm-hmm. they have. You know what they can actually do. Yeah, and then you can actually even cater the specific tests perhaps more towards them. You mm-hmm. can adjust some things. 
like me boosting uh, ter- uh, ter- communication persuasion tests through the, mm-hmm. the freaking roof. Oh, man, yeah. Because we have uh, a mage who is very, very good. Jessica's at... character, Asha. Yeah. She just talks. She talks. Her words are poison, as her many words are, are finding poison. out. <laughs> as many of the villains like to say, her words are poison. Don't listen to her. Such a sweet poison, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's been turning a lot of people from the other side. It's cool. But, um, yeah. Another thing I did hear about at one of the panels this week was... Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, like, maybe it was a podcast, a different podcast, <laughs> but if you have, like, just a, you know, one big bad and um, some minions, maybe, oh, yeah. I don't know, but, it, like, if you just have a one big bad, it's possible to make them go multiple times in the initiative, depending yeah. on how many, because mm-hmm. I know in, like, at least, like, Pathfinder Society or something, you, like, come upon the final boss, everyone just groups up around it and, like, oh, yeah. kills it, like, in a round. You guys surround them, you, you surround them, overwhelm them, it's mm-hmm. generally not a good idea to build an encounter that only has one big enemy, mm-hmm. because... But if you do. Yeah, but if you do. You can make them go multiple multiple times uh-huh. initiative, you can make them more mobile, mm-hmm. um, so that way the PCs also have to use their movement, perhaps. Because mm-hmm. so. if you boost their stats so that they can handle four people at the same time, it's probably going to be a bit tough for the PCs to even hurt them, mm. Yeah, which is going to just get frustrating. Uh, which is why you should check out the combat math. Uh, at least, at least, like you know, take a PC's number, add their focus, add ten, and that—that's the average roll that a PC is going to make. That's mm-hmm. the roll they're going to make most often. You can use this and the basic test difficulty table on page two thirteen or on the GM screen to help you judge what target numbers make best sense for the task at hand, apart from what the PCs can handle. Uh, putting the uh, let's see, putting the 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 average numbers that the PCs can handle and the target numbers and uh, target numbers and relative difficulties of tasks in hand, you can put them together and make some very informed decisions about your encounter's target numbers and relative difficulty of negotiations, riddles, puzzles, wilderness explorations, core room intrigues, uh, and adventure. It's and I don't know, wall climbing, mountain climbing, uh, undersea, underwater exploration. You have, you can have a lot of target numbers at the ready and, and be ready to go. So, moving on to the next one, also from Kevin Malone. This one gets a little exciting, but we're not going to answer this one right away. Um, Kevin Malone, Kevin Malone, told us that uh, I found the blood magic mechanic to be very underwhelming and not very evocative of what we see in Origins. Do you have any suggestions for upping the power of blood magic? I am not interested in game balance, as I feel that blood magic should be more powerful than regular magic, but I do want it to have drawbacks that make the player weigh the pros mm. and cons of taking it. Mm-hmm. My idea is that the talent should tempt the player with power rather than the character. Oh. I ask this as I am not familiar enough with the math of the system to trust myself with altering the talent yet. I've been thinking about this, too. <laughs> I was not that sure... That face says he's been thinking about <laughs> using it against us. Well, maybe. Um, I have a few ideas, which we're going to discuss in the next segment of the podcast, which is our Distant Versus podcast, because it's our fan creation spotlight. Perfect. Uh, it's a fan creation. But, before we do that, I want to let you guys know that if you have a question about the Dragon Age tabletop role-playing game, if you have a question for us, if you have a question about, I don't know, anything that has to do with Dragon Age... You too can be featured in the Codex. Exactly. We can put your question and your name on the podcast. Uh, Send those questions to wondersoffatispodcast at gmail.com. You can send them in a personal message to Cot the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. And... Well, I was going to say you yeah, can do it on the Facebook. And yeah, we do have too. we do have a Facebook. We do have a Wonders of Fate, uh, Facebook and Twitter. You can send stuff to us there. I was going to say you can do it on the Bioware forums, but Bioware took their forums down. No. Yeah, and I'm not, I we can talk about it later. Right, we can talk about it later. But um, so <laughs> first, we're going to see. Right now, we're going to open our books to the Distant Verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Of course, but... (sighs) 
Welcome to the Disney Versus. Earlier this year, we had a forum member. Uh, let's see, we're going to, well, first, we're going to cover a couple things here in the Disney Versus. Two things. Uh, the first one is going to be kind of quick, and then the second one, because we've written it out ourselves, we're going to take a little longer to explain it. Um, the first one, we're going to have a link to the forum post where this occurred. Uh, but a forum member named, uh, I think it's Kudo Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kudo Alex, Sudan. Yeah. Uh, Kudo Sudan. I always kind of stick with the Japanese pronunciation. Kudo yeah. Sudan. Um, he made a few fan-made interpretations of three specializations from Dragon Age Inquisition that had not quite made it to the tabletop RPG yet. Uh, along with a few other members on the boards, there are some working builds uh, for Artificer Rogues, r- uh, Rift Mages, and uh, instead of the Tempest, he made one called the Alchemist, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I, tra- I, te- I took a look at it, and they're really cool. Uh, the Rift Mage spec also comes with a custom Veil Strike spell also written into it. The talents are quite interesting and useful, so if they feel like that they would fit into your game, you should check them out. Um, we can keep the specs in mind while we wait for Faces of Thetis, where they might have some changes for More us, and they specific, might have yeah. different ones. But we're or going hey, to post. If you like this better yeah. than just use it, Twitter. absolutely. If you like this one better, you should go with it. We're going to post the link to that particular forum post where I believe that they should be updated to their latest versions. Uh, we're going to put this on the blog, wonderswithetispodcast.wordpress.com. You can check it out over there. Uh, we'll post a link on the uh, post for episode six from the shadows. But uh, we mentioned that we would discuss blood magic. So and let's do it. Let's do that. Uh, so optional blood magic. Uh, this is something I just kind of uh, something I cooked up. Um, the blood magic is available as a dark temptation to all mage PCs, not just people who take the talent. Blood magic mode is activated just like the blood mage specialization talent and functions as per the talent. And blood magic can be used with the following new rules. If the PC uses blood magic and does not have the blood mage specialization, the PCs must take 2d6 points of penetrating damage while only gaining the extra mana of one of those dice chosen by the PC before rolling. Mm. Uh, those mana are then spent to cast the spell as per the blood mage spec. So you roll like one of your regular die and a mm-hmm. dragon die, and yeah. then pick either the regular yeah. or the dragon to mm-hmm. be your mana. Yes, okay. and that was the one you get for mana. Uh, the other one, you still take the damage just because I, I feel that the Blood Mage specialization mm-hmm. should be special. It should be special. You're not yes. as practiced. Right. You're just kind it's of... It's a last yeah, resort. You're just kind of sloppily cutting your hand open and mm-hmm. trying to get more power out of it. So you're going to probably hurt yourself more. And people who actually take the specialization have probably practiced it once or mm-hmm. twice. And, um, anyway, um, PCs can take, uh, in, addition, in addition to that, PCs can take 2d6 penetrating damage to increase their spell power on their next spell by half the result of one of the dice chosen by the PC before rolling. Note that this does carry the danger that if the PC rolls a 1 on that die, when th- that they simply botched the bloodletting and failed to boost their spell. Mages with a specialization always gain at least a plus 1 on their spell power. So even if you roll a 1, a 1 or a 2 are always a 1, mm-hmm. instead of 2 being 1, and 1 being nothing. Another, yeah. yes. Another reason to take the specialization mm-hmm. is just, you know, more secure. Yes, it's more secure. You're more practiced. Uh, PCs may choose instead to take 3d6 penetrating damage to upgrade the spell to the next spell that lists the original spell as a requirement, even if the PC doesn't know that spell. Ooh. For example, the PC that knows Flame Blast could take 3d6 points of penetrating damage to make the spell work as per flaming weapons. Or Dream Life could function as death magic, or Spell Shield would become Dispel Magic with all the mana costs, target numbers, and casting times of the new spell that you're doing. Mm-hmm. The PC may make take more blood by stacking these effects, taking an additional 3d6 penetrating damage to upgrade a spell to the next spell on the tree, or an additional 2d6 to boost the spell power. If you want to put a lot of blood into it, Ooh. and you really want to put yourself at that risk, you can get a really nasty spell going. It's dangerous. But yeah... 
So, PCs who have access to the Blood Mage spec have access to all these abilities as well, but the penetrating damage is reduced by 1d6 to reflect special training or skill at blood le- at a bloodletting hand, or skilled bloodletting hand. I would assume they know probably better where yeah. on the body mm-hmm. to... They can cause less uh, sloppy damage to themselves. Mm-hmm. PCs still need to take the specialization to take blood from allies or from helpless or dying creatures as per the journeyman or master degrees of the Blood Mage spec, but may use the extra effects listed here with those allies slash victims if they have the spec. So, as a drawback and balancing factor to those who use these rules, if you still fail to cast the casting of the spell you are augmenting with the above rules, you treat the spell as having triggered a mishap, as per pages 106 to 107 in the core rulebook. You still get the willpower self-discipline test to avoid the mishap. This reflects the power of the magic you are summoning becoming more noticeable to demons from the Fade, and blood mages who take the spec have training to use their abilities, as per the original talent, to avoid these consequences. Mm-hmm. You're, t- you're using less blood, but you're still getting the power. You're just be- you're, If you take the spec, you're more efficient. Mm-hmm. It is worth noting, however, that if you want to use this, uh, the system does add a lot of potential power to mage PCs for PCs who want to take the plunge. Mages are already pretty powerful, too. Mages, so. oh, yeah, it's true. Mages already have a lot of moving parts and have a lot of cool toys to play with. This can have rogue and warrior PCs feeling a little left out or underpowered compared to the mages. It would also, however, be a very good simulation for why mages are so widely feared. Perhaps a good enemy, cough, mm-hmm. cough. Yeah, do it. Get that, get that uh, you could also maybe use the blood magic as a uh, buff, perhaps, like a bard. You could, mm-hmm. like, you like could. burn the blood of your allies to mm-hmm. move them on to bigger and better things. Yeah, so that's our idea. That's our interpretation of blood magic. If you guys like it, you can use it. If not, you don't have to. We're going to be posting these full set of rules on our blog. Again, one is athetispodcast.wordpress.com. You can check it out under the uh, under resources for your game. Also, if you have suggestions or things that we might have overlooked in mm-hmm. this, please let us know. Yeah, sure. If you guys want to uh, give us some it. feedback on it, we certainly can. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or even send us your own, send a message to Podcast at gmail.com. Send a personal message to Cut the Protector, that's me, on the Green Ronin forums. You can leave something for us on our Twitter. You can leave something for us on our Facebook We'll get it on the show uh, if we th- if we feel like it. If we feel like it, it could work on the show, we'll we'll let it on. We, you know, if you send us a question like, "Why are you guys such dookie heads?" We might not put that on the show. But I mean, we could answer if you want. I mean, we could answer it on the show. We could <laughs> we might answer. Who knows? Maybe who knows what show. happens to stuff. There are many reasons, though. Uh-huh. If that's your question, there's many reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Let's enter the shadows. Uh, why not? Uh, why don't we take a look at our main topic for today? Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So you're a rogue. Turn to pages 36 to 37 on the core rulebook, and you can follow along with us. Talking about rogues. So, Jill, what's a rogue? Rogues are beauty. Honestly, <laughs> they're wildly, completely unbiased. They're adaptable. They're devastating. Mm-hmm. The jacks of all trades, the assassins, the sneaks, the cocky braggarts, the quick-witted, the survivalists, and so much more than that. It's so true. There's the mythical archetype of the trickster, the ducking in out of combat, weapons flashing and striking where it hurts, noticing every detail her companions miss, smooth talking her way out of her latest jam. These things and more are the rogue. 
Rogues, like mages, can fill a lot of roles in a party, maybe even more so. Rogues make good skirmishers, they make good talkers, and they make good explorers. Uh, your party is going to look to you for support in all situations. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that? I do feel that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, Well, also because I'm the only one who can sneak. <laughs> it's true. Everyone else is kind Everyone of a little clueless is... at that bit. Right, so, no one uh... else is particularly subtle and with how they work. And it's good that, you know, the rogue can do combat exploration mm-hmm. roleplay because, say, when I'm off sneaking on my own, if I get into trouble, I need to be able to kind of stand on my yeah. own a little bit uh-huh. at least. It's true. So It helps. It certainly helps. Uh, you may not be leading the charge, though you certainly can, but your help is always going to be needed by your fellows. Mm-hmm. Fellows might not even notice your help, but you will know that you have lent it. You're so sneaky that mm-hmm. they don't even know. When that dagger flies out of the dark and stabs the guy who was about to slash the mage in half, yep. you know that there's a thank you coming your way eventually. Maybe in some healing. Maybe in some healing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, let's talk about this rogue, what this rogue does. We're going to do some crunch and then we're going to do some fluff. Uh, let's see. We're going to start with the heart. starting hit points. You get uh, 25 plus constitution plus 1d6 health. Less than warriors, but more than mages. You guys walk the middle road. Although if your constitution ability score is low, then <laughs> both the warrior and the mage in your party might have more hit points than you. It's possible, yeah. Like if somebody here maybe uh, didn't put much in their constitution just yet, but... It's, I mean, She's it, very agile. I was about okay? to say, it's... She, she just tries not to get hit. Right. <laughs> and it, it seems to work. It seems to work pretty dang well. Mm-hmm. You get your defense pretty dang high, and you're, you, you are just breaking everything. <laughs> We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it in a minute. That's a couple of these class powers that are particular perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a rogue, your primary abilities are communication, dexterity, and perception. Communication is pretty self-explanatory. Um, you will use this to persuade, perform, bargain, lie, seduce, handle animals, and investigate. You are these the, are your social yeah. con- combat stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are the only class, of course, that gets this So, as the primary, so schmoozing up. You will also be using communication deception for one of your class powers later on, so a few points here is never a bad idea, if you feel like it's your speed for your character, mm-hmm. if your character feels like a good liar. But um, your go about communication is big for a rogue. They're, they tend to be smooth talkers, or at least uh, can get their point across eloquently. Mm-hmm. Uh, dexterity is very useful for you. All the weapons you can wield use dexterity to hit foes. Having a high dexterity also means a high defense. And high movement. Mm-hmm. It means you'll move quicker. It means you, it's a, And you'll be using dexterity stealth for your first class power that you get at level one. I you'll still be, use it. You'll be, oh yeah, you'll be using it all the time. I'm level, what are we, level 15 mm-hmm. now and I'm still using it all the time? <laughs> I think you just hit 16. Okay, uh, 16. 16 a little while, yeah. You're going to use this to tumble, you're going to use this to pick locks, disarm traps, go first in combat. Getting this stat high is a top priority. You're going to use it everywhere. Not mm-hmm. just in combat. You're going to use it very well in exploration as well. Mm-hmm. Exploration makes great use of dexterity. Um, and then there's perception. Perception is always going to serve you well. In any game, really. Any game, really. There, I don't there, I think there's a single game that I've run where I have not asked someone to make a perception test. Because yeah. you got to notice stuff to be able exactly. to react to it. And the people are, and your friends are going to be looking to you as the rogue to be making sure that you're watching for, watching for this. This is it's a, you add this ability to damage with bow weapons as well. Uh, so if you're planning on being a good ranged character, you're going to want a good perception. You use it to notice ambushes. You're going to use it to search for treasures and those traps that you disable. And you're going to want to use it to track people and animals. You will always thank yourself for getting this high, getting a stat or boot, a stat boost or two in this one. Again, if you're you know scouting, sneaking up, scouting, you're mm-hmm. going to want to be able to see. Then you can yeah. come back, report to the party. Exactly. You're going to want to be able to get a lot of info. So. Your secondary abilities are Constitution, Cunning, Magic, Strength, and Willpower. Constitution, despite the fact that it is a secondary ability, is a good idea to at least put 
maybe one point in. I have like two points in it now. You've got two in. You got a two constitution now. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, it's going to give you more health. It's going to give you better defenses against things like poisons and lightning spells and uh, diseases and. If you guys need to run for a long time, or mm-hmm. if you need to swim for a long time, mm-hmm. or row boats for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it might come up. It might be seafaring in your campaign. Uh, constitution helps. Constitution is always going to help. Uh, cunning is actually quite useful for rogues. One of your class powers later on lets you add this to range damage rolls, and some specs let you add this to backstab, backstab damage rolls. Uh, if you want to be a poisoner or a well-educated rogue, this one is also important. If your rogue mm-hmm. comes from a good family, you probably have, oh, if you got some formal education, you probably have good cunning. Some lores and such, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially things like poison lore, if you want to be a, uh, a poisoner. It's fun. Yeah. I don't I, do it all that much, but it's right. pretty cool. Every now and then it comes up and it's always mm-hmm. exciting when it does. Uh, magic, just like the warrior, this stat is not directly useful for rogues, but can be a lifesaver against some spells. Uh, there's, I, ch- I double-checked, there are 13 spells in the spell in the spell book that um, require you to make a magic test to resist them. Mm. Only two of those let you substitute willpower. Yeah, so Callion's mm. not magical at all. She's right. got a <coughs> minus one. <coughs> magic, magic at the same time doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that your character's magical because rogues, by definition, are not magic people. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you are a ro- if you are a magical person, you are a mage. If you are not a magical person, you're either a rogue or a warrior. Perhaps um, you just don't have any exper- yeah. much experience around magic, which, I mean, Callion yeah. growing up in an alienage probably didn't probably, see much yeah. of that. Magic doesn't know mean, how to react. Yeah, magic can also mean that you have had a little exposure to magic, or you have a good understanding of magic, mm-hmm. or maybe you just have an affinity for dealing with creatures of the Fade, or, or even just resisting magic. Yeah. So it can be useful. Having a point or two in it is not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, strength is going to be very necessary for rogues who intend to do a lot of melee combat. Um, because is always added to melee damage. Uh, not to mention that you can use it to climb, intimidate people, lift things, or jump. A few points in here, and strength is never a bad decision. Agreed. Mm. Uh, willpower is mostly a defensive ability for you, but you will pat yourself on the back for putting some points in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to help you keep your head in the game when that dragon roars, or when the enemy mages try to mess with your head. Yeah, about that. <laughs> I'm not terrible. It's not, yeah. Right. It you is put, useful. You got, your, you got your, your stats going elsewhere. Yeah. I I focused on my uh, communication dexterity mm-hmm. perception. But yes. Perhaps Fair I should enough. have filled in a little bit more. Mm. If I could have changed anything, maybe I would have done a little bit more constitution and willpower. But. Right. Never better. But yes, we're, things worth keeping in mind. All right. We're going to do a quick rundown of the class powers that your character is going to get as a rogue specifically. Everybody gets ability bonuses, everyone gets focuses, and everyone gets talents. We're going to talk about what you as a rogue specifically are going to get. So level one, you're going to get one of your bread and butter abilities, backstab. It's the best. It's your. Ro- it's the rogue thing. It's the it's the, like the warrior just going to rush up to somebody and hit them in an obvious place. You're going to... Maybe tumble to the right a little bit and, st- and stab them in the joint, or maybe you're going to, uh, maybe you're going to just kind of faint to swing high and then swing low. Yes, yeah. faint to swing high so they lift their shield and then suddenly mm-hmm. and then they it. go for that elbow. Oof. Um, this is this is going to be the stat that you. This is going to be the ability that you're going to use all the time, and it's fun. It's great too because if you mm-hmm. succeed, you also get a plus two to hit. Yes, as well as an extra d6 of damage. Uh-huh. So. Exactly, you get that plus two to d- plus two to hit and one d6 to extra one d6 to damage if you can perform a dexterity stealth test to approach your foe from an angle that they don't expect. They don't have to not know that you're there. Mm-hmm. As long as you make the dexterity stealth test to approach them, 
then you can use your backstab. It basically means that you kind of like maybe your dagger flicks out from behind your hand at the last second and they didn't see it, or maybe they maybe you just moved up too quickly for them to be able to react properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, it can also be you know you popping out of popping out of hiding, but it does not you do not necessarily have to not be seen to use backstab. And it works very well, especially at level one, if you uh, try not to focus on a specific person because you can't use it on anybody who you start your turn adjacent to. Right. Apply movement is also another yeah. important thing for us. Yes, uh, and having a good dexterity is not only going to help that stealth test, it's also going to help you move around a lot. And I also particularly like the skirmish uh, stunt mm-hmm. because you can push yourself one square back away from the enemy and then you stealth on them again. Yeah, and you can move up to them again. You have to be able to approach them to use backstab. So if you start your turn next to them, you cannot use this ability. However, you could use it on his friend that, you can't, that you're not next to when you start your turn. Sure. And you can spread the level around a little bit. Spread that damage. Spread that stabbing. Uh, let's see. Uh, you get rogue's armor at level one. You are at home in leather armor. You do not take an armor penalty for wearing any kind of leather armor. And while this is nice, that means you can wear heavy leather without any penalty to your speed or your dex or anything. It does mean that your armor your armor bonus, your uh, armor rating is going to be stuck at four. Uh, I'm for at five because I have five. like specialty material. Yes, I have you Drake specialty skin. Materials. Yes. But yeah, it's not, whereas like the warrior's at like right. 11 or something right, right, right now. The, our warrior right now is at 11 armor rating and you're... Probably going to be sticking around four for a while if you get mm-hmm. some heavy leather, and that's that's not bad, but it's not. I mean, it's, you're not. That's a when your dex comes in again because exactly. you want your higher uh-huh. defense, so. and you're going to want to play a little wily. Make sure that you're not, that if you got that big guy right up there, don't necessarily stay toe to toe with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Jump out for a bit, met the warrior, deal, uh, let the warrior handle him for a little while, then come around. Go again. mess with some mooks and mm-hmm. come back. Yeah, and of course you get starting talent. Uh, you become a novice in one of the following talents. You get to choose Contacts, Scouting, or Thievery. All of which are nice. Contacts means that you can make friends who are willing to do favors for you. Scouting makes you quick and stealth makes you quick and stealthy. And Thievery helps you deal with locks and traps. You're gonna have plenty of talents to take later on, so keep these in mind. Uh, and then you can, these can be good for uh, good as like a starting place. I use mine sort of as fluff too, with Thievery. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. definitely, yeah. She makes good use of that Thievery. Mm-hmm. So at level two. You're going to get a stunt bonus. You're going to be able to perform the Pierce Armor Stunt. But ignore half your enemy's armor rating for only one stun point instead of two. What? That's, That's awesome. Uh, rogues. Uh, this is rogues. You know where it's the... It's amazing you know that like, a lot of the rogues' best stuff comes so early, I feel like. Yeah, it's true. You're going to be using that a lot. Don't forget that you have that. You're going to be using it a lot. Of course, you get to use it all the time because the mage is always casting telekinetic weapons which makes mm-hmm. it cost zero stun points mm-hmm. which we have decided that means mm-hmm. I can make it without any stun points correct so. we're going to talk about whether or not that, whether or not that's a great idea <laughs> I mean it's I think it's a great idea right I mean it's working out great for you guys <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that but uh... yeah you know I mean as long as you guys are having fun it's yeah fun. it's whatever <laughs> but um, so yes you can do stun you can do pierce armor for cheap use it Get through that armor. That arm that warrior over there, and uh, that warrior over there who has to plow through that armor all the time. You just get to, damage. You, yeah, just has to it just has to hammer through it. You get to skip a little bit of it. Yeah, again it's you're pinpointing specific places mm-hmm. rather than just thwacking yeah. people. Instead of just being, you know, big and big and heavy like the warrior, you're you're picking you're picking your battles. Mm-hmm. At level four, you get bluff. You can try to backstab someone who you start your turn adjacent to, which you cannot do. 
with the with the original backstab ability. Mm-hmm. Now, Bluff instead is going to use communication deception as opposed to dexterity stealth. So, having a good communication or even having the uh, uh, deception focus is going to help you a lot in here. And this gives you a few more options for backstabbing people, especially if you want to really focus on somebody and yes. take them down. Indeed. And then, mm-hmm. you, as usual with backstab, you'll get the plus two to hit and Wait. then another d6. Heck yeah. At level six, you can perform that makes me wonder exploration stun for two stun points instead of three. Which is an of course is an exploration stunt, which means uh, she's uh, contributing a bit more to your abilities in encounters that are not combat. Mm-hmm. Scouting out new areas, mm-hmm. uh, searching for things. Yes, this can be used for getting the most information for a situation quickly, so you and your allies can act on that info sooner. That makes me wonder: is if I recall, is a very ni- is a nice one. Where did they put it? It's in chapter six, I believe. Advanced role playing. Hmm. And I hear the cat outside. Uh, just yeah. wants some love and attention. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he lets you make another perception test. A second, two perception tests at the same time. No additional cost in time or resources. Okay. Thank you, dear. Okay. Thank you. We'll just cut this out. Redo that. Yeah, we'll cut that out. So that makes me wonder, lets you make a second perception test at no extra cost uh, to learn more information about your surroundings, the object of your test. Has to be a different focus than the first test. Uh, and unfortunately, you can't get doubles on the second roll. But they're assumed to transpire simultaneously. You get two fonts of information at the same time. So yeah, you see two people, two guards talking, and then you rolled stunts. So you're like, that makes me wonder. You like lean in to listen to them and yeah. pick up key information about you know mm-hmm. when the guards are going to change or yeah when they're moving that treasure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can smell some perfume on one of the guards from a uh, paramour that they've been visiting. Might have Ooh. some might have some info you can use later on. Who knows. So at level seven, you're going to get a really fun one. It's called I forget. I have all the time. All the time, yeah. It's uh, good when you have multiple <laughs> rogues in the party. It's probably better when you. Have it is. It is definitely rogues. better if you've got multiple rogues. Sometimes the, the only one it's not as good. Mm-hmm. Right. But it still kind of helps. I mean, it's a but uh, you get dirty fighting. You can daze your opponent with sharp blows to vulnerable areas. You can pull their hood down over their eyes. You can pull their pants down around their ankles. Literal when, dirty fighting. Throw sand in their eyes. Oh yeah, definitely. Dirty fighting is kind of, how exactly your character does it uh, is up to you, but your character basically uh, pulls a trick that gets your opponent off balance. Uh, You make an attack roll when you use dirty fighting, and if you hit, you don't deal any damage, but the opponent has to make a constitution stamina test or become stunned. Stunned characters can attempt the test again on their turn, at the beginning of their turn, to try and remove the stunned condition. Um, and, and if they're successful, they can act normally. Otherwise, the only thing they can do is take a single move action. The, the minor action move, specifically the move action. They can't do any other actions besides move a single move around. Yeah, so they might be moving away from you, which is they great, because yeah. then you can go and backstab exactly. them. Exactly, but you've got a higher dexterity than they do, so you can uh, catch up to them really easy, right? Yes, and while your opponent is stunned, all attacks against them from any rogue characters are backstabs. You don't even have to roll to succeed at the backstab. Mm -mm. If they're stunned, boom, you just add your d6 and plus 2. Don't have to make a stealth test, don't have to make deception tests. If you hit him, plus 2 to attack him, plus 2 to hit, plus 1d6 damage. Mm -hmm. You can also generate stun points on that dirty fighting attack, so if you do generate stun points, you can perform a lightning attack to immediately get the chance to hit them for more backstab damage. Heck yeah. It's fun stuff. It's all about being quick. <laughs> uh, speaking of being quick, uh, level 9 you get lethality. 
You can use your wits to hit enemies where it hurts. You get to add cunning to your ranged attack damages. Ranged to damage when making ranged attacks, and that includes thrown weapons and bow weapons. You get to add two ability scores to damage rolls. That is not something a lot of that is not something a lot of people get to do. Mm-mm. do Especially, is, consi- there? Hmm? is there anything that warriors get to? I'm trying to think about. You get to add like two ability scores to damage. Yeah, is no. there any other thing that mm-hmm. I think that was it? They're pretty much just got strength and perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cunning is a secondary ability for you, which means that you can get it boosted really fast. Making uh, yeah, making a ranged mm-hmm. rogue is pretty. Oh yeah, it gets and as, as the name implies, it, it gets lethal. Mm-hmm. That's a big, you know, so two ability scores and the, adding that cunning to damage can also be really nice, especially for some other specializations that let you add cunning to other things. Mm-hmm. That let you add cunning to other damage rolls, backstab damage rolls. Let's see. At level twelve, you get slippery, which means that you are hard to pin down in combat. Opponents do not get an attack bonus for outnumbering you in melee, which you is going to save your butt. And it's come in handy many times for me. Mm-hmm. If you're as surrounded. I will sneak yeah. up there, stab someone, and then suddenly I have five people around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm but, like, but wait! They exactly. don't get their bonus. They do not get their outnumber bonus. They still have to hit my super high defense yep. while I am slippery. I'm just ducking mm-hmm. and weaving. And... Mm-hmm. I actually noticed that it uh, that the, you get that same ability from the um, master degree of the single weapon style, but they actually called out over here because mm-hmm. they recognize that. That if you have this master degree of single weapon style, the defense bonus you get is plus three when fighting Ooh. in that style, which means it makes you really hard to hit. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be just really hard to hit with that one. Let's see. At level 13, you get another stunt bonus. You can perform with a flourish for three stun points instead of four. Which... Because, I mean, you know <laughs> that you're better than everyone at everything else. <laughs> now, now everyone else knows. Now they know, too. Exactly. Now you can use with a flourish in any in any encounter. And it can be useful in any encounter. I think it normally used in it's a percent. I think it's normally an exploration stun. Mm-hmm. But you it can, is. yeah. But uh, you can totally. We use, used it in a. I guess it would be called the role play with the dance. I uh, definitely did a. We were in Orlay, yeah. and I had a, a dance with a opponent. I guess we'll say you did. And I uh, had some beautiful dance moves that I did with a flourish. Mm-hmm. The court approved. Heck yeah, with a flourish. Now what the flourish does is when you perform the stunt. Um, you perform what you just did with such grace, poise, and, ex- and experience that people know your experience level and know not to cross you or start to get cold feet. They know you're the real deal. And you get a plus one on all opposed tests for the remainder of the encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that would also uh, be added to any attempts to backstab or bluff somebody because those are all opposed tests. Those are, yeah. Uh-huh. Anytime that somebody is trying to hide from you and you're trying to find them in an exploration encounter, that's an opposed test. You get a plus one on that roll. Um, so you, uh, but you can also use that with um, role-playing encounters when you're trying to talk somebody down. You're trying to stand up against somebody. Anytime you, someone else is making a roll against you, you get a plus one. And you can do that for cheaper. Because mm-hmm. you're talented. Now you're just, just going to make everyone else notice it. So, at level 15, you get an ability called Perforate. Uh, you know how to take advantage of an enemy when their guard is down. If you backstab somebody and you roll two stun points, you get to make another backstab attempt. You, mean you, you don't have to make the dexterity stealth test again. You don't have to make the communication deception test again. You just, you just get to do your damage yeah. and backstab. Yeah, you just get to attack again. Again. It's great. Yeah. It only costs two stun points. It's ridiculous. Let's see. Now, that second attack, of course, doesn't generate stun points, as is usually the case, but that also means that you can probably uh, include that with a lightning attack. Yeah. Or two, mm-hmm. if you have the right abilities and uh, magic items and spells being used. 
but you perforate you can you can fill them with pins and it gets nasty and you you wrecked a dragon with this ability when in our last I game I did yeah, it you also helped that the final roll I rolled three Ds, it's three true. Ds, three sixes. You rolled so. fantastically. You you got the attack roll in, you got a perforate, and then you got a lightning attack, and yep. all of them were dealing penetrating damage. <laughs> because the mage had cast telekinetic weapons, you just tore through that dragon. And was... because I had that stunt bonus. Mm-hmm. It was and, uh, really Pierce armor cool. for one, pierce armor for zero. Yeah, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. All penetrating. Oh, yeah. Rogues get pretty lethal if you know what you're doing. Um, Which I don't. Uh, which I guess you do. Level seventeen, you get an ability called Quick Shot. You can make Looking a range. Ahead, yes. yeah. You can make a ranged attack against a visible opponent within range as a minor action. Mm-hmm. It's it, the attack and damage roll suffer a minus two penalty, um, and, but you can see. But and then you can combine Quick Shot with other things like Dirty Fighting or Backstab. But you can generate stunt points on this attack. That's. Awesome. If you I might have to pick up some throne daggers. If you, yeah, exactly. Even if you're a melee character, you can make use of this because you could just use a minor action, just throw a dagger at somebody. Yeah. You get to do it for free. You get to do it as a minor action, and you can generate stun points on that roll, which means you could do. Which things. means you can generate stun points on your both mm-hmm. your minor and your major action. Mm-hmm. You Ridiculous. could get a whole bunch of lightning attacks, whole bunch of dual Imagine. strikes. Imagine. And you're already adding cunning to your damage rolls with those ranged attacks. Imagine a minor action in which you roll. Five stun points. Uh huh. So this tiny little dagger <laughs> just got lethal blowed. Suddenly, <laughs> 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 so in the enemy's eye, like. Oh <laughs> uh, man, yeah, oh yeah. And if you, if you roll this a really lethal blow on the first attack, the regular, attack, the major action attack, Oof. make her help those poor people you're fighting. <laughs> they uh, messed with the wrong person. Uh huh. And of course, at level twenty, you get epic rogue. You get to pick one type of stunt, combat exploration or role playing, and you always generate one extra stunt point when rolling those kinds of stunt points. Ooh. Oh yeah, everybody. I mean, everybody gets that one. Uh, rogue epic warriors get it. Mage, epic, epic warrior, warrior yeah. exactly. Yeah, but it's nice to have. And as a rogue, you can uh, you honestly can fit into any of those. You mm-hmm. could use any of those. Yeah. You might use it to bolster a spot that you're not as great at. It could, yes. That's a, I mentioned that with the role with the warrior too. It's mm-hmm. just gonna give yourself a boost to maybe something you're not necessarily very good at, or if you just want to be over the top, amazing at. So over your just over go the top for amazing, it. Just go for it. It's up to you. It's your rogue. It's your guys. So do it. <laughs> be a rogue. Stab people a lot, and it's great. Seriously, it's great. Only don't actually stab people. Not actual people. This podcast does not advocate the actual stabbing of people. Just imaginary people. Just imaginary people. Just imaginary people and thetas, because those people are jerks. Especially if they're jerks. Especially if they're dark spawn. Especially if they're dark spawn. So, uh, especially especially if they're dark spawn. Uh, We're going to move on to some of the juicier bits of being a rogue. The specializations. Uh, we're going to cover each of these specializations in full detail at a later date, but we're just going to do a quick overview of all of them right now. For Whatever the rogues pleasure. can take. What the rogues can take. You guys have access to seven specializations, just like everybody else currently. That number is subject to change when more books come out, especially now that Dragon Age is an award-winning RPG. Oh, might get some more attention. Maybe they'll be getting some more money in yeah, there, might be some getting more some money, more books, more attention. more content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so the first uh, specialization that you can select is Assassin. You are a master of death. Some assassins uh, see death as a kind of an art form. You bring foes down quickly, and you know how to leave them open for for your allies to exploit flaws in their defenses. Uh, Assassins get some pretty cool stuff. They're pretty fun. And, of course, it means you probably kill people for money. Well, you know. You know. I like money, too. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Um, the next one that is available to you is the Bard. Uh, you are a singer and a performer. Whether you are an Orlesian Bard specifically is anyone's guess. That is a distinctive distinction that very few people understand. Mm. Regardless, you know that there is power in song and story. You make most of it by bolstering your allies or enthralling audiences, great and small, willing and unwilling. <laughs> now, it is definitely worth pointing out that just because you're a bard does not mean that you come from Orlais, and it does not mean that you studied how to be a bard in Orlais, mm-hmm. um, because the abilities aren't necessarily specific to the Orlesian bard. No. And as it Philly seems like they're is a little a, bit more buff-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as Philium, a bard, will mention, uh, the profession of bard existed long before um, the Orlesians decided to give it their own name. Mm-hmm. Or their own spin, I guess. Or their own spin, yes. Or t- yeah, take the name and make bards suddenly very dangerous people and people you have to make sure that you watch and pay extra special niceness to. Yeah. Um, the next one I know is one of your favorites. Yeah, it's the first specialization I took. Was uh-huh. The Duelist. Yeah. I use it to be a little bit more uh, defensive. Mm-hmm. So... I uh, use a rapier and spiked buckler in uh-huh. my current weapons. And... You, are a, you are a graceful fencer, yes. skilled in parries, feints, and thrusts, and you take your swordsmanship to an art form. I do. Uh, with unique weapons for duelists, like the spiked buckler and the rapier, uh, you weave a web of steel and grace to drive attacks home with pinpoint accuracy. This is kind of a lethal. Yeah. <laughs> Very, honestly, all of these have their own little special bits, but the duelist is kind of lethal. The duelist is pretty lethal. I mean, obviously the assassin is too. But mm-hmm. um, when you hear duelist, you don't think death quite as much as when you hear assassin, you think death. Right. So. Yeah. You think a duelist is like, oh, you know, this is a person who uh, maybe duels at the f- duels at uh, fairs or uh, in, imperial, in imperial courts. No. You stab people yeah. through the eyeballs. Through their knee joints. Like, Oof. not good times. Where it hurts. You know just where to go. In fact, we kind of stumbled upon the lethality of it after I got the master yeah. uh-huh. uh, level of the specialization talent. Mm-hmm. Or talent. We'll talk about that. When the episode comes along, we'll have you as a special consultant. Yes. Oh uh, my gosh. Just yeah. I'll just just tell you what it does. It's just pierce armor stunt. Your damage is penetrating. Add that to whatever we said previously. I think you can put it together. <laughs> you can probably put two and two together, especially oh. considering that she's getting pierce armor for free because she is uh, being cast uh, being a benefit of telekinetic weapons. Yes. Oh man. Uh, next one is a very interesting one. Uh, the Legionnaire Scout. In the Dwarven Legion of the Dead, standing beside mighty warriors against the darkspawn hordes of the Deep Roads, you are a different kind of rogue. Moving through the darkest tunnels, deep in the earth, with no chance of returning home or leaving for the surface, Legionnaire Scouts are some of the toughest individuals in Thetis. You cannot be broken, because you are already dead. Oh. Whoa. I wasn't yeah. ready for that. <laughs> Gotta chill, right? Yeah, now it's I'm more, just sad. It's a bit of a symbolic death, but it's but man, uh, legionnaire scouts are tough to kill, especially once you get they that. They seem master very degree. very hardy. Especially once you get that master degree, you're it's it's hard to take you down. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is called the marksman, and the name pretty much says it all. Uh, if someone gives you a target, you can knock it to the ground with arrows, bolts, or even thrown weapons. Your targets feel the pain as your shots push, pull, and perforate, and even punch through armor. Your chance that you are the marksman just means you're a good shot. It means that you know how to pick. If you pick up a bow and you aim it at somebody, they're probably going to die. Sharpshooter. Heck yeah. You're an expert shot and you know what you're doing. So, uh, after that one is called, is, an interesting, is another interesting one, the ranger. Uh, you're not exactly, who is, not exactly one with nature as the ranger in this particular uh, specialization, but you can make nature work for you. 
You call and you tame wild beasts to fight with you. You stalk the wilderness, using your affinity for nature and the country to ambush foes. You are no steward of nature, and some consider you cruel, because you summon animals simply to fight for you, and with little care as to whether they'd live or die. But you are doing what you can to survive. Think, like, just if Inquisition, you're like, I'm going to summon a great bear. Yeah. What? That's awesome. uh, Hey, great bear, uh, giant spider, come over here and uh, beat this thing up for me. Yep. Uh huh. Beautiful. You can call some big things, and some some war rangers may take this a different, may take a different way. Some mm-hmm. ra- rangers may actually care about the animals they summon. Um, it's going to very much depend on your character, of course. But we'll talk about that ranger. Take later. care of them after. Yeah. Maybe uh, depending on your GM, maybe yeah. you can sort of yeah, make it do. as other systems, and you'll have a, a specific companion that comes along. Mm-hmm. And finally, you have the shadow. You are a whisper in the dark, the glint of steel from the shadows, and your stealth is unmatched. Shadows are rogues who understand that their enemies cannot harm what they cannot see. Your stealth ability not only makes you difficult to harm, it ensures that your blows sting all the more. Which believe, is my secondary this specialization. This is your secondary specialization. You're you're kind of spooky. I like it. Yeah, as I say, being able to know exactly where to stab people from and also And they be able just will to, never see it coming. No, they're never going to see it coming. It's beautiful and oh, yeah. terrifying. Beautiful and terrifying. So, uh, and then a bit more nitty-gritty about the rogues specifically, we're going to talk about focuses. Focuses that are going to serve you well, focuses that you should perhaps consider, and focuses... focuses. We're going to talk about focuses. Uh, That lovely plus two on your ability tests. Um, First first and foremost, of course, are dexterity, stealth, and communication perception. They're tied to two of your class class powers, so you should probably get them. I mean, if you don't want to get them, that's okay. You don't have to. It's your character. It's your character. If it doesn't fit your character, you shouldn't do it. But if you do get them, they're going to serve you very well, because you're going to be making those tests all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your party is always going to thank you for picking up some perception focuses. Because you are the class that has perception as a primary ability, you're probably going to be using it the most. So taking, you know, seeing, hearing, searching, tracking, smelling... Um, I've, if you watch the uh, tabletop uh, show that Will Wheaton ran, you would know that smelling perhaps is not so not quite entirely ridiculous. <laughs> Thanks to uh, goodness, what was it? Um, I don't know. I watched it a long uh-huh. time ago. I watched it not too long ago, but I, I watched yeah. it like when, like around when uh, it first came out. Will Wheaton's so. tabletop show. You should definitely check it out. They did. They played Dragon Age a long time ago, and they loved it. They had a great time. That's great. But yeah, the, one of the they have a rogue who makes excellent use of perception smelling, so don't neglect that one either. Um, let's see. You're only going to have a few weapon groups that are available to you, so focus on the ones that most appeal to your character. Yeah. Like I just have the dueling, mm-hmm. dueling group. You only get bows, brawling, light blades, and stabs. All of those are dexterity focuses. So if you want to be good at bows, punching people, stabbing people with little blades, or hitting people with sticks, then... You know, it's already in your, it's already up your alley anyway. So might as well grab a couple of focuses, foci. Can I think you, it still calls them focuses. If you uh, want to be good at gambling, that's something you can pick up through communication mm-hmm. or uh, persuasion or bargaining. You're trying to get a really good deal definitely, on something. Definitely. So maybe you don't have to steal everything. You know, yeah, you don't have to steal everything. You can talk them out of it. Also, a cutting evaluation to know how much things are worth. Like how much the stuff that you're stealing or fleecing is worth. Yes. Mm-hmm. You made a couple good uses of that. I did. And uh, cutting poison lore again. Mm-hmm. Of course. that up. What else? And of course, acrobatics. You, acrobatics. Acrobatics, yes. Acrobatics dexterity is going to help you avoid some nasty spell effects. 
Mm, initiative if you want to act first. Oh, yes, definitely. Dexterity's got a lot of stuff that you're probably going to want to pick up. That's why I, that's the one I boosted first. Mm-hmm, that's a good one to boost. And getting focuses just means you're going to be that much better at it. Uh, and it's also worth pointing out that the ranger and the shadow specializations do have focus requirements. So keep that in mind if your character is going to become a ranger or a shadow. I think the, the ranger one, I believe, it's is just handling, communication, believe. animal handling. Yeah. And I think... Uh, shadow stealth. Shadow stealth. Obviously. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise. If you want to be a shadow, you got to be good at stealth. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? Uh, not us, because it's a shadow. Not a, exactly. Ah! Oh, man. Plot twist. Please don't write in about that, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you'd like to add about focuses? I think... I focuses. Just rogues are great. Play them. Rogues are great. Play them. You don't have to play them as much of a mm-hmm. butthole as I do, but... Uh, you know. But it's fun, too. Because mm-hmm. you get to annoy your party a little bit, too. Exactly. Oh, we're also going to talk about talents. A little, a little bit about talents. Mm. Uh, most of the talents that you get for free are, allow you a lot of re-rolls. A lot of the yeah. rogue-specific talents allow a lot of re-rolls. Which but I, I nice. picked up uh, Chiergy so I could sort of heal myself some in the field. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that helps. I picked up... I picked up the poison... Is uh, another mm, poison talent. making. Poison making. Mm-hmm. If I can make my own poisons and then use those poisons, uh, I took dual weapon style because that's how I started mm-hmm. uh, to go into my duelist. You can also use poison making to make grenades. Yeah, which yeah. I haven't done yet. Yeah. But, Interestingly enough. But yeah, I want to do that. It's I'm kind gonna... of an alchemy talent. Yeah, it is. But I like it. It is. Mm-hmm. Matches the video game. Uh, scouting and thievery talents are only for rogues, mm-hmm. uh, and you get to be a novice in one of the. You can be a novice in one of those at level one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check them out. They're gonna get you a lot of rerolls. Each mat, each degree you get in it, you're gonna be like, "Hey, I didn't make this roll. I'm gonna try again." Observations good. Mm-hmm. Quick reflexes. Want to keep being good at stealth, being the best there ever was at stealth. And take 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 scouting. You can reroll stealth tests if you fail. Uh, unarmed style. Perhaps you get captured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, unarmed, and then suddenly yeah, you got a punch. Exactly. Yeah. No one's gonna expect you to have fists of steel and yeah, Vitus. Exactly. People really don't expect that. No, they don't. It's really weird. They don't. When the Silent Sisters come along and start punching and kicking people and throwing them like, across the battlefield, they're like, "What is going on? Where is your weapon?" It's like, yeah. "I." But you're well, not course, brandishing a sword and a shield. Of course, I guess they would say, "I am the weapon." If they yeah. were the Silent Sisters, <laughs> they their stance, that their uh, yeah. presence says that they. Their are presence weapons. says it all. Exactly. <laughs> uh, contact is one of your possible free talents, and it's an interesting one. Um, you'll probably want to talk to your GM a, bit, a little bit about how it's going to be used, uh, because it may change from game to game. Yeah, but, if you're going to be stuck out yeah. in the wilderness or in the deep roads a lot or something, it might be hard to yeah, use it. Yeah, it might be. If you're planning it's on doing for... a lot of urban campaigning, then it's probably going to be more useful, or if you're mm-hmm. planning on going mm-hmm. to a lot of different cities. But yeah, if it's going to be an underground exploration campaign, you might want to talk to your GM about that, because you're probably not going to make a lot of music to make a lot of friends in the deep roads. Mm-hmm. I guess unless you meet you know, members of the Legion of the Dead, but... Those True. folks don't tend to stay alive very often. They're very good Nor at Nor are they necessarily always very friendly. Mm, nah, not really. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the Bard specialization does require the music talent if you want to take it. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that... Uh, the music gonna... talent itself has mm-hmm. requirements of communication performance. It does. And uh, or, or, I guess not and, mm-hmm. uh, cunning musical lore. If you're going Bard, it's a very good choice. Mm-hmm. And of course, I believe you'll want a throne weapon style journeyman, or I think dual uh, or archery style journeyman, if you want to take the marksman specialization. So keep that in mind. Uh, the style talents that you, as a rogue, can take include archery style, dual weapon style, single weapon style, throne weapon style, and unarmed style. 
Those are the combat styles that you can take as a rogue. And a lot of those are really nice. Especially that do weapon style if you want to hit people a lot. Or get more defense. Mm-hmm. Like, like you do. I do both. It's pretty great. It's true. You do a dang pretty, pretty dang good job with it. Mm-hmm. Let's see... Um, and of course, there are plenty of there are plenty of uh, talents that you can take uh, as any members of any class that aren't necessarily specific to rogues. But based on what you rogues are good at, we're going to point out things like intrigue, especially if you're planning on uh, visiting Orlais. That one's going to be very useful if you're doing a lot of urban stuff. Linguistics uh, could be good for spies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be useful. Linguistics is an interesting is an interesting talent because it's because it, uh, it kind of highlights just how difficult language is in Thetis. Yeah. Most people can speak trade tongue, but I, especially me and you know, some of my games, if you speak someone's native tongue, then I usually give you communication bonuses for it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a foreigner who can speak it, and then they'll be like, oh, something something." Someone spent time to yeah. learn about me and exactly. my culture. Uh-huh. There's kind of an assumption that uh, if you took time to learn someone's, learn someone's language, that you probably know a little bit, of, at least a little bit about their culture and customs. Potentially. Uh, observation, of course, is also very roguish. You can notice things, uh, perception, empathy, or seeing. You can re-roll them. Um, oratory, you can use it if you're more of a leader rogue. Let's see, goodness. Uh, quick reflexes is very roguish mm-hmm. and very nice. I don't, think a lot, I don't know if a lot of people notice quick reflexes, but dang, go for it. Yeah. It's very roguey. I might pick that up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You might have to. And, of course, things like poison making, trap making, those, are, those can be very roguey if that feels like your style. So, uh, moving on from that, we're going to talk about planning for the future as a rogue. Planning for your rogue's future. Uh, how you plan your rogue is going to depend heavily on how you want them to progress, of course. Uh, if you want a melee rogue, you're going to want to invest in strength. Uh, on the other side, if you're, well, you'll be hitting level 9 as a rogue in your campaign, you should, keep, uh, you should keep, uh, bump up your cunning to aid ranged weapon damage if you plan on being a ranged rogue. So getting that perception and that cunning up uh, high are going to help you... Are going to help you you know, shoot people down in the neck. I definitely think that knowing what your first and second special, well, at least your first specialization will know, will help you know what to build towards. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. What uh, ability scores you need where, what mm. focuses or talents is, talents is, talents Talents is. <laughs> talents is. <laughs> the process. Let's see. It would not be a bad idea to pick two abilities out of your primary abilities and focus on those. Um, because rogues can kind of do everything. If you try to do everything, you might find yourself spreading yourself a little thin. And if that feels right with the character, then you should go for it. Let's see. Uh, well, there is nothing stopping you from being good at many things. And indeed, a rogue is good for that. Being great at two being great at two things can pay off very well. Communication is a stat you will lose most often in role-playing encounters. Perception pulls full duty in exploration encounters. And you'll be using dexterity all over the place. In all, in, in any, all the encounters. In any, really. any encounters, really. Uh, your rogue is going to be asked to make use of all three of these. So do what feels right for the character. If you feel they're not very observant, you can always keep that perception. You always keep the perception just kind of okay. Uh, if you feel like they're not, they're not a great talker, you don't have to boost the communication. If you feel they're not dexterous, maybe they're just, you know, like uh, nobles, envoys, uh, smart or just highly educated people, you could mm-hmm. not worry about dexterity if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could focus on, you know, the alchemy yeah. side of things, maybe. Uh-huh. Let's see. If they seem like an investigation type, have them focus on exploration and role-playing encounters. If they seem more of a hunter type, exploration and combat maybe more of their speed. Let's see. And while several of your class powers are going to boost your ranged attacks, your melee abilities need not be neglected. Dexterity is going to boost both of these aspects for your character because you are a rogue. All the ability, all the weapons that you hit with, use dexterity to hit with. 
Um, so and having a good dexterity is going to make you all around and good in combat. It's also going to make them sure that your defense is high. Uh, it's going to make sure that your attacks are high. It's going to make sure your movement speed is big. It's going to make your stealthing to use mm-hmm. your uh, backstab better. Definitely. It should be a high priority for you because many of the things that you want to do as a rogue are going to call for dex tests. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Acrobatics, initiative, legend of main lock, picking stealth are all dexterity focuses. And those are all very roguey things. And of course, it's your character. You should do what you want with it. You guys can take as much or as little of this advice as you like. We're not going to tell you exactly how you should play your character. It's your character. You should do what you want with it. You know, do what you want with them. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, we'll let's see if we wrap up with uh, some role-playing considerations for being a rogue. Um, the class of rogue is, uh, is, is, is kind of, at least I interpret it as somewhat a self-taught class. Yeah. Um, That's how it, I've played mm-hmm. it mostly, too. Yeah. So. And it, it can also be the result of training. Kind of very much like the warrior. Um, you should decide, for your char- uh, decide if your character chose this path. Or this path chose them. Mm. I think in Callian's case, it sounds like it chose her. It kind of chose her, yeah. She just used, mm. she had to use her, you know, know-how to survive in the alienage. And mm-hmm. she would go steal stuff to, you know, get food or whatever. Yes. The path of the rogue is one of subtlety for some, but it doesn't have to be for your character. The archetype of trickster is quite broad and means simply that your character includes a lot of surprise and less straightforward tactics uh, that, than warriors employ. Um, but it would be good to ask yourself... Uh, why did my character choose rogue over warrior? Mm-hmm. Because if your character's not magical, which your only choice would be mage, then your character kind of has the choice between rogue and warrior. So why did they go rogue? Why'd they go rogue? Why'd they run off? <laughs> yeah. We know why your character chose rogue. I mean, to just, eat. It happened, yeah. To, to survive. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps to get revenge. Definitely. Rogues are um, rogues are people who decide to take uh, a more uh, the trickster way the trickster way of life instead of warriors who you know meet life's challenges head on screeching a battle cry war, uh, rogues take it quieter rogues take it more subtle suddenly you're in a you know nice you're in a nice conversation and then suddenly there's a knife to your throat yeah there's a knife to your throat that's you're the like, ro- wait that, a minute hey, that guy's the rogue and the warrior didn't see it coming nope Mm-mm. so rogues are neat. Huh? I love them. I don't even know how to put it into <laughs> words. Like, I, really I like them in any sort of system, but I really like yeah. them in Dragon Age mm-hmm. a lot. Dragon Age rogues are really exciting. Like that's what be... I made in Origins. Exactly. That's what I've made mm-hmm. this. So I played a rogue in Inquisition. And yeah, I, I have I've a, been, been having a lot of fun with it. I have uh, two dagger. I just got to the daggers that are like double sided or whatever. Yes. So I'm just like <laughs> all that damage out there. Yeah. Cool it's stuff. Beautiful. Beautimus. All right. So we've been talking about the rogue for a while now. I feel like we've probably got some other things we should do. And I guess. I mean, we could talk about Dragon Age forever. Dragon Age is cool. It's true. I'll talk to you about Dragon Age forever. But some of us have uh, other yeah. things to get to. Some, <laughs> some other things to get to. <laughs> some of us have lives. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you and Jessica are going to hang out. I'll week. just stay behind and the... edit the podcast. The... Okay. <laughs> edit my podcast all alone in the dark room. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you guys so oh, much for joining us. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's, there's dinner downstairs. Waiting for you. Wait for me. All right. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us for a roguishly good time. Yes. We hope that you guys have found some cool things that you'd like to add to your games in this podcast. Please tell me stories about your rogue and how awesome yeah, they are. Yeah, definitely. You can send them to Facebook. You can send them through Twitter. You can send them the private messages through the Green Running forums. You can send them uh, into our email. Again, podcast at gmail.com. And you can always check out our blog and leave comments there. com. Please check them out. We're, we're we're here to play Dragon Age. We're here to have a lot of fun. We're here to help we're, you play Dragon Age exactly. and have a lot of fun. Yeah, help you play your award-winning RPG. <laughs> yeah. All right. All good things, you know. Have to end. Um, so thank you guys again so much for listening. This has been the Wonders of Fate's podcast. This is Ren wishing lots of, D6, lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jill, hoping that your uh, head callion will advise you well. Thank you guys again for listening. You guys have a good afternoon, night, evening, tomorrow. Whenever you're listening to this. Yesterday. Anything. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much. Bye.